I'm Nisha Zachary, and this is The Zigzag Leap, brought to you by Permission to Leap. For years, I've been talking to people about having permission to take a leap of faith. We all know that life doesn't happen in a straight line, so how do you overcome your past and possibly current circumstances to live the life you were created for? Stick around to hear our guest answers that will lend you some courage to give yourself permission to leap, no matter how twisted the path may be. Hello, everyone, and welcome to this episode of The Zigzag Leap. Today, I am talking to Erin Pinnings, who is a copywriter. She works with websites. She helps people get their stuff together so that when they are seen online, it makes an impact that resounds and converts. So, Erin, can you tell everybody a little bit about yourself? I am, as you said, I'm a copywriter. I'm a marketing strategist, and I've been doing this realistically Um, My website says over 15 years, but it's a little bit longer than that now. And it's like kind of scary to say like almost 20 years now, because that means that some birthdays are happening. Right. Right. (laughs) Um, But (laughs) so I've been doing marketing strategy. I've been doing marketing. I've been working on the angles that help people connect with businesses and more importantly, really, that help businesses connect with people to understand what they want. And that kind of delves into the psychology of that. I've been doing this for a really long time. And three years ago, through a series of of epiphanies that I'm sure we'll talk about later, um, I ended up going out completely on my own. And where I settled is website copy, because that is the heart. It's one of the building blocks of everyone's marketing. So I really, really love to help small business owners in particular find a way to really make their website connect with their audience and the real humans in their audience, not just like this, like, you know, the great beyond, like when you're talking to a camera or something, there's someone out there, um, but to really um, come up with messaging that really speaks to them so that they can start to form those connections, but more importantly, so that they then have the confidence to go out and create messaging and speak to their messaging in a way that is consistent everywhere that they show up. So that when they do send people back to their website, they know that it's going to back up everything that they're out there saying. I love that. The connection between website copy and their confidence. And I think some people miss this. They don't understand that. Like if you're not able to say what it is you need to say, nobody's going to hear you. One of the things that I think people don't realize is that what they're actually saying should be what they're writing. And I feel like people, Uh and, and we were talking before camera started rolling that people have this need to be perfect. And so you try to polish this message that goes onto your website. So it's perfect and it it should be like, why not? But like at the same time, pay attention to what you're saying because that's probably closer to perfect than you even realize it already is. Take out the ums and the uhs and make it actionable, but it's probably closer than most people think. I agree. And that's like the number one way that you attract the friends that you have in real life. So when you're going online and you're trying to attract people to your services that's the best way to handle it authenticity right yeah exactly exactly so what made you leave where you were because obviously you know you had a nice stable job and then you went out on your own like it goes back um but it was 2014 um, this time of year actually and my father had just passed away i had a one-year-old and i was just like I don't, didn't really want to go back to work after that. Like I had negotiated down to three days because I wanted to spend time with my kid. But my, he had this really cool job that was unique. It was in Alaska. He was an avalanche forecaster. 
And even though he had some specific roles, and of course he was very safety oriented, he was able to function very much on his own. Uh -huh. And he coordinated with lots of people, but he pretty much set his path in life. And then it was like, what do I want to do? Yeah, I mean, yes, I want to make my dad who is no longer with us proud of me. And I want to make my mom proud of me, but what can I do to have that life that I want? And it was just like, I woke up one day and it was like, no one is going to create this life for me. And it is certainly not going to happen by doing a job that I love, but that isn't working towards giving me that life. It, it was a job. Um, and I, I was in the travel industry. So I did some really cool stuff and it was in marketing, but it just wasn't that fulfilling piece. So I actually quit. And I went and I hiked with my son on my back for, it, it sounds really cool when I say for six months around Alaska, I didn't stay overnight. Like we just went and did different day trips, and, but we did a lot of stuff for six months and I slowly started to take clients and, um, you know, it's really easy to let some of those clients become a job. So yeah. that was like the second epiphany, like three or four years later was like, oh, this is a job now. And I want to go back out and hang my own shingle, which is what happened three years ago. And I said, 2019, like January, I'm doing it. I'm on my own. And so that's really a series of, of events that have led me to where I am right now. Okay. So we all know when you start working for yourself, it is so easy to get in that trap of, you know, you have to, every waking moment has to either be dedicated to your business or to your kids. And then your clients become like your children and it does become a job. It is an all the time and you're on call. I don't know if you have the people that call it one or two o'clock or you had the people that call it one or two o'clock in the morning or send emails and they want it like immediate response. How do you get from the place where this new life that you're creating that's become a job, how do you get it to be this business that allows you to flourish? Well, I feel like it's kind of, you've probably seen the illustration, the entrepreneur's journey is like the series of ups and downs and loops and backwards curves and forwards. And I think there's a lot of that. And I think there's something really comfortable about taking on a role, whether it's with a client or with an employer, where you get some stability. And there's nothing wrong with that. But I think the key is finding these really good boundaries and saying, okay, I will respond to emails within 48 hours unless you know something comes up. But the only way you won't hear from me within 48 hours is if something is drastically wrong, I won't disappear on you. Right. But whatever those things are that you hold true. And I, I think part of it's figuring out what's important to you. Is it time? Is it sanity? Is it reputation? Is it, what is it? Because you can get a reputation of being really fast, but what's the cost? Right. Um, and then what happens with this? Like we have business, we don't have business. We have business, we don't have business. So if you can create this schedule, um, and, and it's something I feel like I learn every once a year or so. And it's like, oh, well, I let that happen. And, and it really is. It really is that what you allow to happen becomes a standard for how people treat you. And That's it's not that they want to treat you poorly, or may, maybe they're not even treating you poorly, mm -hmm. but maybe it's just like, they don't think about it because they're like, oh, she always responds like this. This person always exactly. does this. I know I can go to them. And so while that's nice, like I had a client who all of a sudden was expecting me to be at meetings every morning at 9am. And I was like, you know, I don't need to do this. And I, they are a client. I am not an employee. I can say I am unable to do this moving forward. Um, and we were able to restructure it and I still work with them some, but it's a much different arrangement and it's more project specific, which 
honestly means that I have more time to myself, but I'm not doing any less work for them or not significantly less work for them. I'm just not stuck in meetings all the time because I looked at my schedule and I was like, I can pigeonhole a meeting in this 20 minute period between these other things. And that's, that's not a way to live. And it's also like last March I was, so the pandemic happened and my business took off. Like it was the coolest thing. And so out of fear, cause I was like, when's the other shoe gonna drop? I said yes to everything, which mm. in some ways is a good policy. Cause then you figure out, oh, I really like doing this or right. no, I don't like doing this. I hate to say no to opportunities. It's something I'm getting better at, but I know that there's some, some challenges that come with mm. like saying yes to everything. But then last March it came to a head. It was my biggest month ever, but I was working 70 hour weeks. And it's like, I did this so I can spend time with my family. Right. So I'm not seeing them. Like I'm locked in an office, but it's a different office. Um, and, and so I had to let some people go and that was hard. But the payoff has been that like the last couple months I've taken a week off every month and it has been so insanely cool. Like that's awesome. success. I think maybe it doesn't mean what you think it does. Maybe success means something different than what we've always been conditioned to think it does. It's not that gold star. Mm -hmm. They're really nice. They got that bottle of champagne that shows up in the mail and you're like, oh, cool. Thanks. But it's like getting to set things the way you want them to be. The idea that success is not what you thought it was going to be or what, what we are conditioned to believe that it is. And now that you have this ability to set your own parameters for what success looks like, do you find yourself making these decisions easier? Because I know like saying no is a, is a <laughs> saying no is so hard. I don't think it'll ever be easy for me. Like I always want to find a way to make things happen. But I think, you know, when I first went into business, I didn't realize that I was creating another job for myself, which is what I did. I, that was like, oh, cool. Well, I'll go out on my own, but it'll be this. And so it became a job, which was a job for a client, but also like overall arching. The company was a job for me. Right. And I think most freelancers and freelancers, small business owners who start out like that, go into it with that approach. They're like, oh, well, I'll take on this work. I'll do the work. I'll get paid. It's not any different from trading your time for money, like whether you're working hourly or by project. Mm -hmm. But all of a sudden, like you realize there's got to be a better way. There's got to be a way to scale this. So I'm not like killing my creativity. So even if I'm only working from nine to three at three o'clock, I'm not staggering out of my office, like going like I have no brain. Um, so I'm not sure that that answers your question in any way, but I think part of it's like this reframing of what's possible. And when you, once you start to realize that you don't have to just create a job for yourself, and if that's what you want, there is absolutely nothing wrong with that. And there's nothing wrong with doing it for one year, for 10 years, for 20 years, as long as it works towards your end goals. But for me, it wasn't working that way anymore. And that's why I was like, okay, I've got to create some alternatives to give myself space. And that's been through a couple of different programs and packages. Um, but I, I think, how long was it? It was like this summer I was going on vacation and I, I was like, oh, I'll maybe fill this one spot. Maybe not. And my friend's like, what do you mean? Maybe not. You'll fill it because you get to control how people work with you. This is your business. You set the rules. You don't come to them. They come to you. And it was like, Talker. You know, like, I feel like it's, there's these like big epiphanies that happen every three months. It's like, oh, well that changed things. And it's like, this little thing clicks and it's like, people come to me. I can kind of, there's some negotiation, but mm -hmm. I can say, this is how it's going to be. And that's how it's going to be. 
and that's really kind of heady. It's like, I could, the world is my oyster and I control the, you know, there's so much that you can do, but, and it sounds so cheesy and woo, but the truth is that's the reality. Wow. That's, I think that that's the, the biggest shift that people have to make is like nobody else, like this is your business. At the end of the day, you're the one paying the taxes, paying the bills, doing the work. Like you're in charge of everything, including who comes in and out the door. And I think that's the hardest thing to, I guess it goes along with saying no. <laughs> like, okay, no, you're not allowed in my door. Or you know what? This is a client that I'm willing to take and this is how I'm willing to work with that particular client. You get to make those decisions. That was a huge switch for me too, going into this service industry because you have your, you know your craft, you know what it is that you're doing, but then you have to like be the boss and the employee at the same time. And it's like, huh, hey, which one am I in this moment? <laughs> My boss cracks the whip, man. They keep it going. Right. Um, yeah. Well, and I, you know, Part of it, I think you were asking about clarity and if that makes it easier to make some of the decisions. I think getting clear on like, okay, so my priority is gonna be a week off a month. Does this serve that? Do I maybe need to take another project to hit my minimums? Am I willing to give some on a couple of these aspects? Or if someone comes in and is like, hey, I need this by this date. Cool, this is how I can make it happen. This is what the price is gonna be. Right. And being okay with them walking away. Yeah. And it's like, come, make it come, make it go. I don't really care. Yeah, that $4,000 would be nice or whatever it is. But if I don't get it, am I fine? Like, I think getting to that point is really like, I think it was like late October that happened. The client's like, well, I, I, you know, I can't make that work. And it was like, all right, no problem. And being able to just like wave goodbye to that, that was this huge, like, did I just like walk away from that? Like multiple four-figure project and be like, yeah, I'm cool. No big deal. That's when you know that you've like reached that place of success because you do mm -hmm. have enough faith in yourself and, you know, everything that's happening, everything that's been laid out for you to be able to, you know, know that even if that's not for you, something else that is for you will fill in that slot. Yeah. And it, I think trusting the process is hard. Yeah. It's so hard. And I, I think, you know, as you're listening to this, um, the, the people in the great beyond that we're talking to, you know, I, I think that's it. Like, it's okay to take some time to trust in that process. Um, but as you find the projects that are making you crazy, learn from it. Don't learn those lessons six times in a row. Learn from them once when you're like, oh, well, this, this was not good. <laughs> Exactly. Here, here's what I'm going to watch for if this happens right. again. <laughs> and if it does come back again, then it's like, okay, you know how to react to that thing. So if something else goes wrong, you know, like, okay, I did this and I did this. This is what didn't work. As opposed to I did all of these things that I did before and it didn't work. Plus this other thing didn't work. Yeah. And just if some one thing doesn't work, is there anything that you can do to adjust that and solve for that problem? Mm -hmm. And maybe there is. And... <laughs> maybe some people are just like not a good working relationship for you and that's okay too it is it definitely is so you've been able to do this in i think you said like three years right years what has been the greatest like contributor to like the level of success and progress that you've been able to make uh my network like hands down like one of the best things that i have done is um, gone out and spoken with people, um, like one-on-one -on -one conversations, coffee conversations, 
to just get to know other people um, in the service space. A lot of the people I talk with are copywriters because of the masterminds that I've been in. Mm -hmm. And I think the masterminds are also extremely helpful because it gives you exposure to people who are driven, who want things and who are willing to, like they want your support, but they're also willing to help you get to wherever it is that, that you want to go. Um, but the simple conversations, one-on-one -on -one conversations have done more to drive my business forward, both within creating referrals, like, oh, you need a web designer? Cool. I've got some really amazing people for you, regardless of your budget, regardless of your platform. I know someone who can help you because I've met all these people and vice versa. They're saying, oh, I've got this project. This client needs some copy. Let's bring Aaron in. Or um, and, and I think just the more people you talk to, the more opportunities you can automatically create for yourself. Whether those conversations turn into paid work or not, it doesn't matter. And I, I think that's the number one thing that I've done is gone into it with like, hey, let's just talk. Maybe, and sometimes someone solves a problem for me. Like I got a really good tip on my Dubsado setup the other day. She's like, yeah, you should do this. I was like, oh, didn't know that was possible. Let's walked away from the call with that in hand. But also, um, I can like, you know, you could make this little tweak in your headline, it would probably make a huge difference. Right. And little things and people remember that. And, mm -hmm. you know, it's just, it, it sounds really self serving, but that's not it. It's like, if you go into it with a mindset of service, right, I good think things tend to come of it. And sometimes it's weird, you know, within five minutes, you're like, this person is not a fit for anything that I will ever do. Right. Um, but it is another connection point. And it just gives you practice talking about what you do. So what about those people that say they don't have time to network because they're already running their business and servicing clients and they're going through the feast and famine cycle, but they don't have time for networking. I think it's, uh, I, I say this always and it's like, it never comes out the way that I intend it to. <laughs> so let's use that as a little disclaimer. But it, is it that you don't have time for it or if it's not a priority? And um, if it's not a priority, why isn't it a priority? And there may be some very good reasons. Like, I just don't have the mental bandwidth. Like, I try to talk to two new people a week, but sometimes I go two or three weeks or a month without talking to anyone just because there's so much going on around me. Um, but so maybe scale it back, try to do one a month, one coffee conversation a month. My best friend and I just went to Dallas for a, an expo and we're planning, or she was there for an expo. I was there to hang out with my best friend and we're like, going to talk about her business a lot. And we did some like throughout the four days that we were there together, but we had a lot of conversations about other things. And it would be like, well, you know, this would relate to this other thing. But I think what you'll find is that the more conversations you have, the more it will relate to other things that are going on in your business that you might not even realize. Um, and an example I'll give you is not at all related to networking, but you know, like I have a, a client who is in uh, the tech B2B industry and they're very firmly entrenched in that. And they're a more traditional business model. They tend to work with government um, entities as opposed to B2B clients. Their way of doing things is so siloed because that's the only way that they've ever done things. And it's a more traditional sales mindset. Mm -hmm. so enter the online business world and we can introduce the concept of funnels and really make them stand out. Right. But, you know, so it's really fun to see how those two worlds really, really have nothing to do with each other. Lessons that you can bring from one to the other, even online businesses, we've brought back some direct mailing stuff, which is like, what you're sending postcards. And it's like, yeah, because no one else is. And you know what? It's been effective. That is very true. There are things 
that worked in previous generations of marketing that are starting to come back. Like the social selling thing that everybody's like all excited about now where you've got, you're on Amazon and you're live or you're on Instagram and you're live and you're selling and they can click. And it's like, dude, that's the home shopping network. <laughs> 21 style. Totally is. So Corleo's come full circle. Exactly. <laughs> So it's like, you know, just because an old method was done one way in one context, you know, if you do have those conversations like you're talking about, it can spark, you know, that one little twist that kind of redirects you into the direction that you need to take your business. And it's like the ideas that spark. Ideas are so cool. And then the challenge is implementing them, right? Implementation <laughs> pain, but um you know, I think if you have someone who can hold your feet to the fire, because none of us can hold our own feet to the fire, it's way too easy to go off in some shiny object. But if you yeah. have an idea and can like actually make it happen and implement it and stick with it, it usually pans out really well. Yeah, that's the key. Focus on the project, <laughs> not the shiny object. Exactly. And then it's like, is it a shiny object or is it an opportunity? So that's this whole other thing. Right. So that in mind, how do you recognize when you have an idea, the difference between a shiny object and an opportunity? Um, you know, I chase shiny objects too, but I think um, for me, I have not always been as good about mapping it out on paper or on like a whiteboard, mm -hmm. um, you know, what my goals are, but I have in my head, okay, Q1, I'm going to do this. Q2, I'm going to publish a book. Q3, I'm going to do these things. And so it's like, can this new idea fit in with that? And it's like, if yes, then cool, add it in if it's not going to add a whole lot of work. If it is not going to fit in, is it something that I really want to do? Is it higher priority than this thing that I've been working on for six months? And if it is, then cool, that other thing can get pushed back and maybe it changes the way that that happens um but it's I, I think it's a way of looking at your business like an ecosystem and saying okay is this something i want to do is this something i want to be known for is this something i want to try and then yes go for it and if it's like no then maybe maybe we put it on the list to look at q3 or beyond and revisit it i like that Think of it like an ecosystem and whether or not what you're introducing is going to disrupt the ecosystem. Yeah. And if it is, maybe that's fine. Like I had an opportunity um, in early October that I was like this, if I take this on, it is going to change everything that I'm known for mm -hmm. and it is going to change how people introduce me. And am I okay with that? And I was like, well, let, let's learn more. So I went through the process of learning more and then it was like, you know, this is not where I want to be. And so that made it easier to say no. There were like a couple of things that there were no red flags, but there were a couple of things that was like, eh, yeah, I don't know about this. My gut's saying no, so I'm saying no. And you can do that and say, you know, this isn't going to work for me right now. I just looked at my calendar. There's no way I can take this on between now and the end of the year. But if you're open to X, Y, Z other changes, maybe we could revisit in January. And then that's an easy current out that kind of positions you as where you want to be right and let puts the ball in their court to say yes or no and then it feels like it's less of a decision but it's still a decision yeah 
And it gives you time to, if where you want to be, there's an opening or a shift or something that could possibly create another opportunity that swings back around to that. It is yeah. an open possibility. I like that. I like it. I like the way you reframe that. <laughs> <laughs> so when you were starting out, what is it that you did well? Honestly, not a lot. <laughs> I When I went into business, uh, fun fact, I thought that copywriting was like back in the days of Mad Men, that it had died in like the, like really was in its heyday in the 50s and maybe died in the 80s and 90s. Like, and by the time 2000 rolled around and everything's like moving online, copywriting was dead. Wrong. <laughs> wrong, 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 wrong. Um, so what I didn't realize is that what I'd been doing for all these years was actually copywriting, that I was finding the angle, finding the hook, finding a way to draw people in so that they could then you know, get them to open my email so that they can then decide if it was worth it. Mm -hmm. So I didn't know that what I was going to be doing was copywriting. And so I put a website out there, which is a good thing. Like I firmly believe that everyone needs a website, even if it's a one pager with your name, who, what your services are and your email address. If that's all that it is, it still shows that you're some kind of legitimate human. Right. Because the first thing you do is Google someone. If you're like, they don't even have a website, what's up? Or maybe your social networks have been abandoned over time because, you know, life happens. It, it's something that is there that you own wholly. So I did that well. Um, I also started a mailing list very early. Once I figured out that I was going to be doing something with writing, but I didn't know what, I created a freebie, I created a mailing list, and I started doing it. Did I execute real well? Not necessarily, but um, it was getting there. It's kind of this part that Bet, done is better than perfect. Right. Throwing an idea out there and testing it is better than waiting until it's 100% perfect, ready to go, because nothing's ever going to be 100% perfect. You're never going to be 100% satisfied with it. Right. And um, even if you don't know 100% of the things, if you know enough to answer some questions for people, you know enough to move the needle. Even if you're starting out and you're like, man, all I can do is manage a calendar. That's huge. I cannot manage my own calendar. <laughs> I live and die by Google. And if I'm responsible for trying to figure out time zones or something, it does not go well. Um, <laughs> it never has, never will. And I own it. Like I have some tools that help, but um, yeah, this is, this is not a strength of mine. So if you can make this problem go away from me, that's a huge contribution. Like you don't have to be the expertiest expert in the room. You just have to be able to make someone else's life better. And if that's what you go into it with, and that's the mentality that you go into it with, you can learn most of the other things. I think it's the mentality that's hard to teach. Right. And the other thing like in all of that is that you get to learn and adapt. If you wait until it's 100% perfect, then you're creating to this audience that you have in your mind that may or may not exist. <laughs> So everything that was 100% perfect on paper is probably 100% wrong when you get it out to the public. Yeah, well, and I, yeah, there's something to that. And I think, you know, people underestimate the power of social media to build in public. And like I have, like, uh -huh. I still probably don't use it the way I should in terms of like, hey, I'm testing this thing. What do y'all think? Right. And a lot of people are like, hey, <laughs> that's really interesting. I'm curious to learn more. Or, hey, I'm building this thing. What would make it really valuable to you? How could we make it useful to you? And then people chime in and it does a couple of things. It creates a conversation, uh -huh. but it also validates that like there's something to this idea. 
but I also think like if you get crickets, that doesn't mean that it's nothing. It just means you're not in the right place or at the right time or the algorithm was not friendly to you or maybe, you know, something major was going on in the news that took over. Um, yeah. And that's another thing. I like that you pointed that out because it, what you're doing, quote unquote, wrong is not always because of what you're doing. Like you said, it's because of it could be because of where you are and the the big three <laughs> that people focus on when it comes to social media are not always the right places. Um, yeah. Check forums go like in person, like you said, you did, you know, having those conversations, meeting face to face with people, like everything is not online. Even if in the times that we're in, you can find stuff outside that you can use to connect with people in different places. Yeah. And I, I would say, don't be afraid to have conversations with strangers. Right. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, Zoom can be really friendly because it's like, you don't have to, you don't need an awkward out. You don't need someone to call you and be like, hey, you know, we come home. <laughs> right. Um, so I mean, most of my networking has been done via Zoom. Uh, I've met very few people in person, although that will be changing. I think just having the conversations and not being scared to hop on the phone because um, you can talk to anyone. And if it's awkward, so what? You don't have to talk to that person again. Exactly. And so that frees you up to be like, oh, I can be awkward. I can be real. I can have fun with it because if they hate me, so what? Right. You don't have to know everything about them and see them again for the rest of your life. Like, oh my gosh. I love that. Okay. So what is the biggest mindset leap that you've made or that you're still in the process of making? I really think it's that I can control the path. Um, and I think, you know, my background enables me, even though I've only been in this space for say three years, it gives me the chops to say, yeah, but I actually know the strategy behind it. Like there's more to it. Um, but because of like, I'm not necessarily classically trained as a copywriter. Um, I have a lot of imposter syndrome around that. And so I know that there's some knowledge gaps and the reality is, is that the trainings are out there. I just need to do them. But, um, I, I think it really is that I can plant my flag wherever I want it to be. And I can say, this is who I am. I can control the narrative and that's how people will introduce me. Um, and I can take steps to make that mine. And right. that's really, I don't know. I don't know why it's so hard. Cause when you say it out loud, it sounds like, oh yeah, you can do that. But you, if you want to be something, you can be it. All you have to do is say, I'm going to be it. And then you start doing it. Yeah. And that that's simple. <laughs> it is. And it's so hard. It is so dang hard, especially if someone was like, okay, so I'm going to graduate high school at the top of my class and I'm going to go on to college. I'm going to do well there. I'm going to choose this major. And this is the step, 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 step to success. That doesn't have to be the way. There are so many more, th more other options out there and it's hard to, to get there to say, oh, I can just decide I'm going to be this and I can get to school later. I like what you said, the honesty in that statement that it's hard, as opposed to if you just change your mindset and you blink three times and rub the genie's lamp, you're going to be able to manifest all of these things and, you know, love and light and we got it. The truth is it is hard. So what is it that keeps you going to say, you know, beyond this is what I said I was going to do? 
Because some days that's not enough. <laughs> days it's not enough. Um, you know, that's a really good question. And I, I want to, before I answer it, like you said something like, you just click, you know, click your heels three times, or you just blink three times. Mm -hmm. Just and only are my least favorite words in the English language, because it is never just that simple. It is never only that simple. Yes, it is just a mindset shift. Mm -hmm. but like, it's like the idea is cool, but you have to take the steps to implement it and believe right. it. And it's like implementation is key there too. But um, so how do I keep myself going? Um, I think it's the fact that I, you know, I'm always on LinkedIn looking at all the jobs that are around. Cause I'm curious, I'm curious, uh -huh. maybe there's some opportunity to pitch some of those places for some of the things that I can do to help them right. uh, offline. So I, I am, and then it's like, I see something sometimes and I was like, oh, that would be a really cool job. And I'm like, maybe I should get a job. And I, I was talking to someone who's a very well-established business owner, copywriter. And I was just like, do you ever think about getting a job? He's like, at least once a month. And I was like, really? He's like, well, obviously I'm never going to do it because I'd never make as much money as I do. Right. <laughs> but sometimes it's really tempting, whether it's a cool opportunity or to just let someone else call the shots sometimes. Um, but, um, but for me, it's like, I don't want to go work for someone else. Mm -hmm. I like being able to say I work every day from nine to three, unless I want to take a shower or unless I want to go to my kid's school or unless I want to do this. And I have never reacted well to people telling me what to do like, and when to do it. Um, but even less so now. And could I do it? Yes, absolutely. Could mm -hmm. I, if I absolutely had to, like, absolutely, I could go get a job. But do I want to? No, I like calling the shots. I like saying, you know, I'm just going to take this week off and not having to ask permission, not having to say, can I get this time off? And knowing that someone could say no. Like, sorry, you can't, we're short staff. Cause I can just say, oh, I'm I'm out that week, sorry. <laughs> I'll get back to you the following week. I'll check email, let me know if something urgent comes up, but otherwise right. I'm not. And so there's something really powerful about being able to do that. And that's what keeps me focused. I love that. You just said my favorite word in there is permission. So what is your definition of permission? Ooh, that's a really good question. My definition of permission is, um saying yes what can you say yes to um mm, that's nice and simple I think like I'm, i feel like i should have been prepared for this but yes i mean i think it really is all about what can i say yes to i like that and it's like really simple so what's her name shonda rhymes has this book a year of yes have you read that i haven't it has been in my kindle for like i think two years now You've got to read it because like you gotta read it. it's yeah. just is exactly what she said. And she, like for a year, that was like instead of saying no to everything, like shutting down life, she gave herself permission to say yes to all these weird opportunities. And she ended up in some of the most amazing places, going through the most amazing experiences that she wouldn't have had, you know, if she had just stayed in her lane. Oh, I, I, now I have to read it. Okay. I'm bringing that to the forefront now. Good. I mean, it's a really good book. And it made me stop and think like, on terms of that, like, how much do we say no to because of what we should do or what we're supposed to do or what we've been trained to do or the guilt that we're going to feel when we finally do. <laughs> yeah, or like, yeah, and I think I look at it is, will I regret saying no to this? 
and I say no to an awful lot of stuff. Like, don't like, it's not like, yes, it's permission. It's the permission is saying yes, but yeah, I need permission to say no. I don't give myself that permission very often. <laughs> but uh, are you a fan of the Peloton? They did a whole series of year of yes rides. I think it was last year. And so I, I love to listen to them. I kind of let the words flow through me. But um, if you have the app, I would, and I think she did some meditations as well. Yeah, I'm going to check it out and I'll make sure I put it in the notes for everybody to get it. What would you have done differently? I think I would have had more networking conversations very early. Um, probably for the first six months, I thought the people I needed to be speaking with were prospective clients, mm -hmm. not realizing that I needed to actually be talking with people who either did what I do or did what I wanted to do or did something tangential to it. So if I was writing copy, maybe I wanted to work with some designers or speak with some designers. Maybe I needed to speak with more coaches, not as prospective clients, but to learn more about what they do and just get to know people. Right. Um, Cause it wasn't until, I mean, I, so I'm sitting here with my first profit in hand. I'm like, finally I can deposit something in my bank account that is not paying myself back for some of these investments that I made in, and then there weren't that many, but it was like, it was slow going at first, right? Um, and there was an accelerator for copywriters that was just starting up. And it was like, so I could take this money and pay myself, or I could dump it into this program and like give it a go, see what happens. And it was kind of like this, okay, so what's the worst that happens? The worst that happens is that I just don't pay myself back and I have to, you know, build more. So I did it and it was one of the best things that I've done because I had two or three conversations a week with other copywriters. I learned some things that were holes in my business. I raised my prices as a result and coming out of it, I had like my three best months at that point sequentially. So like January, 2020 was huge comparatively. February was twice as big. March was a thousand dollars more again. And it was like, things are happening. And then April was like, whoa, this is really cool. Um, so, you know, I think that was probably one of the best things is, is joining that. So I would have had more of those conversations sooner and started just getting to know people much sooner rather than floundering. Because I think one of the biggest mistakes that I made and that other people make certainly is you see what other people are doing on Facebook and you try to copy them. You don't know though whether they're actually successful or whether that's what people are doing and so um even though facebook has been one of the most powerful tools for me in getting clients tools tools for me getting clients um it's not because of the stuff i've put onto facebook it's because of the relationships i've made talking with people so um i would spend less time trying to make noise and more time creating relationships. And it really does. It boils down to relationships for me, but it's really easy to say, oh, well, these people are doing these. So I've just got to post, 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 post. Mm -hmm. And that's not the case. It does get you visibility, but it doesn't get you the relationships. Right. And relationships are what make you money. And they bring peace. I feel like they make yes. it, they make it fun. Because when I can talk with people I enjoy talking with, it doesn't feel like work. That's true. Uh, let me ask you this. What are you glad that you didn't know? I'm glad I didn't know that a pandemic was coming. Like, 
<laughs> yes. Like truly, like would I have taken the leap or would I have continued to do what I did and feel like, it, cause you know, some of those relationships, some of those, even if you are a contractor, it can start to feel really uncomfortable answering emails. If you get under the microscope, for whatever reason, whether you did something wrong or not, or there's a better way to do things, it is very, very hard to get out of that microscope. Uh -huh. And it can feel very uncomfortable. And I think had I known a pandemic was coming, I might not have done it. Because I've been like, there's no way I could do this in a year. You know, mm -hmm. um, I wish I'd started sooner. Absolutely. But hindsight, you know, right. I never say hindsight's 2020 again, because I feel like 2020 is this you know, hindsight would have given me the courage to start sooner, I think. Right. I, I think not knowing the future is scary, but it can also be beneficial because you never, there's always something that could come down the pike and just change everything. You never know what it's going to be. We'd still be living paycheck to paycheck. And yeah, I, I never want to go back to that again. You asked what keeps me motivated. That keeps me motivated. Sure. The worst thing that could happen is that I'd go get a real job. But man, like I yeah. would have a hard time going back to that point of living again. What you just said made me think. So, you know, you're in the marketing world. So you probably know about Russell Brunson's 30 day challenge where you lose everything. Oh, no, I don't know that one. I'll have to add that to my list too. Okay. The books that I'm adding today. <laughs> so in this one, he has a bunch of people that use click funnels. And it's like, and if you lost everything, like right now, and the only thing you have going forward is what you know, like you lost your money, you lost like your website, everything, and you've got to start over from scratch. Would you be able to do it? And how would you do it? So it's probably like, I don't know, maybe 30 or 40 people have put together their 30 day plans. And you can go through and you can read exactly what they would do. Interesting. But the question for you would be, if you did have to go back to a job, would you start over knowing what you know now and what the possibilities are? Like, would the job be a stopgap or would you just say, you know what, I'm done? I mean, you know, all things being equal, if it was a job to make ends meet, it would be a stopgap to allow me to, to rebuild, to build what I want. If I took a job by choice because it was this really amazing opportunity and I have had a few clients that I'm like, if you're ever hiring for someone in house before you put it out there, let's talk. Um, you know, that would be a very different thing, but I would still, even if I took a job today, I would, I think, still continue to build my own thing because it would be something for me and I would take more of an agency model at that point than I did starting this one because I don't have to do all the things. I don't have to be good at all the things. I have to be able to know who can do them and I have to be able to do them well enough to like, if the, if, you know, the, the buck stops with me. So if, some, if it has to get done, someone has to be able to do it and I have to be able to do it. But can I hire someone to, to make it happen faster? Sure. Where did you come up with the name Copy Snacks? <laughs> There's a funny story to that. So I was, I started out, my name's Erin Pennings, um, and it really is Pennings. People don't believe me. They're like, you made that up for, and I was like, no, 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 that's just, that's what I married into, I promise. Um, but um, so my first business was called EP Marketing. So I was like, I need something to put on the invoices. I was talking to a friend. She was looking at my website copy. She's like, there's a disconnect. I'm like, I know, what is it? I can't figure it out. She, and we talked through it and I was like, okay. So then I'm driving around like AT&T had changed my phone like plan. I was trying to like get it unchanged. And 
I was getting hangry and I was going to like every AT&T store because they kept sending me around and I was just hangry. And at that point, my business hadn't taken off yet. And I was like, man, I just want chips and salsa. I want to go sit down, have, um, you know, a beer and chips and salsa. And you keep reaching for them. You can't get enough. And I'm like, that's what your business should do. That's what your copy should do for you. Copy snacks. And so I went home then because I was being responsible and not spending money that I shouldn't at that point. But I sat down, um, probably still with a beer in hand. And I was like, okay. And I typed like this whole, like, I'm going to call it a manifesto, but it wasn't really about all the things that I thought your copy should do for you. And I brought in all these little snack metaphors. And that is, it eventually through many morphs and changes became my website, my business name, but it's now officially copy snacks because appetizers aren't overrated and neither are you. <laughs> oh my gosh. I absolutely love that. So it is kind of a fun story, right? Like, yes. How you can go from being hangry to inspired. <laughs> yes. Yeah. And my phone plan did get changed incidentally. Like it went back. So it all worked out. Win -win. Yeah. <laughs> nice. So can you tell me where everybody can find you? Yes. Uh, you're welcome to head to my website. All roads kind of lead to and from there. It's erinpennings.com. Just my name, E-R-I-N-P-E-N-N-I-N-G-S.com. And um, from there you can find my social places. I am most active on like Instagram and LinkedIn. Um, you'll find me in Facebook groups too. Um, and you can also grab a really cool little uh, giveaway I have that will teach you how to audit your website and like some quick changes that you can make to make it more effective so that you can talk to the real humans who you work with. Wonderful. Okay, so I will make sure that all of that is in the show notes on the website. Erin, thank you so much for joining me for this conversation. Thank you. This has been so much fun. I really appreciate this. And yeah, I look forward to talking with you hopefully again soon. Most definitely. That was fun. <laughs> Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed this episode and you'd like to help support the podcast, please share it with others, post about it on social media, or leave a rating and review. To catch all the latest from Permission to Leap, go to permissiontoleap.com and subscribe to our email list. When you do, we'll send you a digital leap guide. Thanks again and talk to you next time.